hello, I am your host, Karen Doyle, and welcome to the Genius Podcast. The Genius Podcast is part of a much bigger initiative for Catholic women called the Genius Project. The heart of the Genius Project is dedicated to equipping and supporting women of all ages and stages of life to discover what it is that God has placed within their hearts to do, giving them the permission to follow that God whisper and dream, and then equipping them with the knowledge and practical skills to make it happen. If you are looking to discover what it is that you are called to do with your life, if you have a dream or a passion, but you lack the skills and confidence to take that next step, or you just need some great advice on living your vocation as a Catholic woman, then this podcast is for you. Today's genius guest is Kim Keedy. Kim joined the NET team as a young adult after returning to her faith. It was here that she met her husband, Patrick. Together they have three young adult children and live in sunny Brisbane, Australia. If you ask Kim what her life work is, she will tell you it's youth ministry and evangelization. Now this has taken many forms over the years, but at her core, she feels this is what the Lord has called her to do. Kim is part of the Emmanuel community in Brisbane and is now the director of Ignite Youth, a Catholic outreach and ministry which reaches thousands of young people every year with their incredible Ignite conferences. In today's conversation, Kim and I roam around a few topics and basically share some wisdom from the journey. So sit back, relax and enjoy this conversation with Kim Keedy. Well, Kim, welcome to the Genius Podcast. I am really stoked that you're on today's episode and I'm really looking forward to this conversation, just unpacking some wisdom from the journey. I know that every time I chat to you on the phone that I come away with some pearls of wisdom, nuggets of gold, and I thought it could just be fun just to have a conversation today (laughs) and just share whatever the Holy Spirit reveals to us, but essentially just wisdom for women. So thanks for being on the podcast. Thank you for having me. I just I love I love talking to you and this is almost like a hey it is. This is just a normal conversation <laughs> with eardroppers. <laughs> That's right. Join in everybody. You are very welcome. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> but Kim, look, I'd love for you just to maybe share a little bit about yourself and your journey with the women so they can get to know you before we delve into the good stuff. Yeah, look, there's so much to share really. Grew up in a in a Catholic family. I'm one of six kids. I'm I'm from North Queensland. Probably why I'm some people, when I first meet them from overseas, they're like, oh, your, your Aussie accent's <laughs> quite strong. I think it must be the North Queensland uh, part of me coming out. Where were you um, born? I was born in Mackay, born okay. and bred. Okay. Mm, so moved to Brizzy at 18, yeah. um, mainly to do mission. Yeah, I had a great upbringing, but I think I was looking for love in all the wrong places, really. Yeah. Uh, so had a bit of a, I guess, uh, rebellious teenage years from about 15 to 18. Left school, left home, um, moved in with my boyfriend. It was kind of a bit of a sex, drugs and rock and roll yeah. testimony. And then just had a, a huge, I guess, turnaround conversion moment around 17 or 18 where I really just came to the bottom of the, as far as I could go down mm-hmm. before I had to make a choice where, where I was going to go next. And then basically moved back home, a bit like the prodigal son, prodigal daughter. Moved back home. Mum and dad welcomed me back with open arms. And and then I just really just wanted to live for God. So 
I was searching for how I could do this. Ended up applying for NET, National Evangelization Teams in okay. Brisbane, scary Brisbane it was at the time. From Mackay. Yeah, from Little Mackay. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, they have skyscrapers, such a world uh, word. But um, I totally did, never saw one before I went to Brisbane. It was hilarious. Oh. Um yeah, so I did net in 94 on the national team. Then they were piloting the local team, so I got asked to be on that in 95. Um, married my husband, Patrick, in 96. Yes. Um, and you we had three children. Did yes, we were yes. on the okay. te- both teams. Oh, so really? At the same time? together. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was a love so, forged forever. That's right. There was there was not much on the uh, this side of marriage that was left, really. So okay. we had to get married. <laughs> um, yeah. Then we had three children, and I guess we've been. I think doing mission and, and ministry was a part of our DNA. Part mm. of, it was woven into the fabric of our relationship because that's how we met. We met on mission, so yeah. it was always something that we we've done since then. So we've served in ministry in a variety of ways, sometimes together, sometimes side by side, sometimes doing different things, but but in the same sphere, I guess. So we've gone from uh, working in schools, working in parishes, in movements, um, in national ministries, wherever we find ourselves, I guess. Some people say to me, you've got to just decide what you're going to do, Kim. I'm like, well, I know what I want to do. I want to tell the message of Jesus, mm-hmm. however that is. It doesn't matter in what in what form, mm-hmm. as long as I can do that. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. my main main you know call. Yeah, and is um, that what you'd be most passionate about? Like, if someone asked yeah. you, what your greatest passion? Yeah, yeah. I think sharing. Oh, look! When I was thirteen. In English, I'll never forget. I was 13 mm-hmm. years old. I was in English and we all had to stand up and say uh, what we wanted to do with our lives. And I stood up and I said, uh, my dream is to stand up on a cloud so that the whole world could see me and I'd call out stop and everyone would stop all the pain and hurt and wars and blah, 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 and they'd just stop and listen and I'd tell them about Jesus mm. and then we'd press start again and, you know, the world would be different. Mm. And so I guess for me I've been looking for that cloud, in inverted commas, yeah. um, however that is, however platform I can share the the real relationship with Jesus, the, the transforming power of having a relationship with him and knowing mm. who he is, I want to do that. <laughs> mm. So yeah. what was the highlight, I guess, what led you to conversion at 18 after living on the wild side for, for a few years? What was that moment? What actually led you to that place of deep conversion and encounter? Yeah. Look, I think I was such a stubborn person (laughs) and I and I was I had a big bravado like I I was kind of like if there's a lesson to be learned and I know if it's a mistake then I'll learn it and who cares and you know Mm. I didn't know what the heck I was talking about (laughs) but all the pain that may um, ensue yes (laughs) you know I remember distinctly thinking I need to choose the lifestyle I want to choose and I think I remember hugging my mum at this moment when I was about to make this massive decision to leave everything that I've been doing and I said I just want to live God's way again because I was raised that way Uh, and when I decided to part with that way the pain and the 
the trouble I got myself into was mm. so painful and really it came to the point where the person I was in relationship with at the time, my boyfriend, actually said to me, um, how can you love how do you know that God is real and how can you love God more than you love me? You can't even see God. Mm -hmm. Uh, And he basically said, uh, you don't live like someone who believes in God, so you're going to have to choose now between me and God. Uh, It was that that blatant. And that threw me into panic because really I I was having to choose between the two people if you like I love the most my boyfriend or God Mm -hmm. but I'd already given up so much for this guy (laughs) for for, for this boyfriend I'd already given up all my beliefs I was hardly talking to my family I'd given up all the 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 things that I love to do I love to sing I love to dance I love to um, do all these things I'd given up school I'd given up Everything. Everything. And the one thing I had left that was almost like the essence of me was that mm-hmm. I know without a doubt that God is real. Mm-hmm. And if I gave that up, I think I thought I would disappear. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know how to exist without that. Mm-hmm. And so really for survival's sake, <laughs> I, I said I, I cannot give this part of me up. And so I said to him, well, I choose, I choose God. Wow. And how did he respond? Well, we, we broke up and yeah, I had to, I asked my mum and dad if I could move back home and I moved back home and I remember just laying in bed that night, being really aware that I was in my mum and dad's house (laughs) and I was looking at the ceiling and I was praying really and thinking about all the things that had happened in the last, you know, three years. And I remember saying, God, I've tried my way. I've went out and I've and I tried to get everything that I thought would make me happy, but it didn't. So if you could just take my life and do with it whatever you want, I, I, I want you to drive my life and I promise I won't try and take the steering wheel from you this time. Yeah. And, yeah, the rest was history, I guess. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. And so did you have a period of time where you really had to find your feet again once you moved back home and... I guess, reorient yourself to a life of faith or is that just a really smooth transition for you? Look, I mean, in Mackay, you know, I there was not a lot going on in the Catholic circles. Yeah. And it, I remember thinking, well, what do you do when you're, when you try and be a Christian? You wear a cross and you read the Bible and I don't know, I'm just making it up. <laughs> Go to church. Yes. <laughs> and I remember reading the Bible and then just surprising myself when I remembered what I read, like, I'd only read it once and then all of a sudden I'm recalling these these scripture passages that I'm like, how do I how am I remembering it? And again, it really was this youth worker who said, Oh look, we've got this thing on in the parish tonight. It was only three weeks after I've moved back home, really. Okay. You should come to this retreat we're having. And I thought, oh my gosh, I'm gonna be the only young person there, but I'm trying to do the God thing, so here we go. And lo and behold, I, it was a net team. I'd never heard of net. Ah, I didn't even know it existed. That was them. And it was these eight or nine or 12 people who literally came up and hugged me and talked about Jesus like he was real. And it was crazy. This whole retreat, I'm just sitting there going, it was almost like this retreat was tailor-made for me. Yeah, <laughs> they, they referred to the only Christian singer I knew 
Uh, one guy pretty much shared the exact story that I had just been through and how he got out of it. The, the, the drama they did was so profound, I could not stop crying. Mm. And all I could think of is I want to get up there and say what happened to me. Wow. <laughs> so that's when I applied and yeah, straight away. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I want to do it. That's awesome. That's so good. Yeah. And so then you moved to Brisbane and you did net and you've been in ministry ever since then. Yeah. Wow. Share with me, I don't know, like what are some of those early moments where I guess you got in touch with your gifts and and your call? Because I think one of the core visions of the Genius Project and obviously in the podcast we try and do is just to really encourage women in their gifts. And it doesn't matter like how we've lived or the choices we've made or the things that have happened to us. God has a plan and a purpose for every single one of us. And Mm. I think that so many women, whether it's through things that have happened to them or their own fears or whatever it is, those dreams and those, I guess, whispers from the Lord get buried deep in our heart. Mm. And part of my heart for the Genius Project is to call those out of women and to be a voice that encourages them to explore their unique gifts, their talents, what it is that God's calling them to. So I'm interested in how you, I guess you found this life of ministry. It was obviously... Mm. There was something God placed in your heart for evangelization very clearly at a young age and then again when you came back to him. But what's your journey, I guess, of discovering your gifts and and working out where you're meant to serve the Lord and how Mm. you do that in the Catholic Church as a woman? Yeah. Well, first I probably needed to go on that journey of healing. Yeah. <laughs> it's a big journey. Minor, um, minor journey. <laughs> and minor journey. Yeah. Is it, it does it ever end? Crucial. <laughs> yes. Um, but you know, unfortunately I had an incredible husband who who really was one of the first people who, even when I didn't recognize strengths or, or gifts in myself. He would just be constantly, you know, pointing to my soul in a lot of ways, going, I see this beautiful mm-hmm. gift in you, or I see you're you're good at this, or I love this about you. And I'm like, really? Uh, <laughs> I mean, it first of all, it was a belief in myself that I had anything. Mm-hmm. Because really, you know, I carried a lie for a long time. Like I'm not good enough. I'm not enough. I'm and did the you wrong personality. You carried that quite yeah. deeply. Oh, de- definitely, definitely. Mm. Or constantly like, oh, I'm too too loud, too bossy, too <laughs> dominant, yes. too yeah. dramatic, too, um, <laughs> you know, all those lies that, um, yeah. you know, we can all tell ourselves. And if you have the, the opposite personality, you probably tell yourself that. I'm too quiet. Too quiet. Too, <laughs> yeah, I'm not strong enough. And all, all those things. Like women constantly tell ourselves in some way shape or form we're not enough absolutely um or we're not the right version of what it means to be a woman for example yes um so i think that you know believing in you know ourselves believing in who god made us to be that was that was the first part of me allowing myself to discover the, the gifts was really looking in the mirror and believing that i'm good because god made me good Mm. and um, if he wanted me here, then um, that's that. it's worth fighting for. I'm worth fighting for. 
Yeah. Um, but really, I've always had a passion for self-awareness. I think even in the work I do um, with young people, if I'm counselling even a couple or, a, you know, anyone mm. really, the first place I often start is self-awareness, like know yourself. <laughs> and I love anyone who knows me knows that I could talk for hours and hours with, you know, rocks in my mouth under the water about, <laughs> about self-awareness and personality types and all the different types of, you know, assessments you can do to really, really as a tool, um, of course they're all fallible, mm. but a tool um, for self-awareness because when you understand yourself and you understand where it comes from and why you do those things, it helps you not only love yourself, but also accept that God made other people yes. different. Yeah. Lo and behold, the world is not only uh, made up of people like me. It's <laughs> there's a whole bunch of people that actually are quite opposite. Mm -hmm. So exploring that and not being afraid to look at the weaknesses as well as the strength was a big thing because everyone's good at something. And everyone's weak at something. So not being afraid that, yes, I'm great at that, but I've got to be the first person to admit what I'm not good at either. Mm. Yes. <laughs> um, and be okay with that. That was a journey, you know, going through the I'm not perfect, dang it. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And talking to people, you know, like I spent a lot of my early 20s, late 20s, early 30s, even now, but really in that intense um, motherhood time when I was at home mm -hmm. and I had time just talking to people, talking to other mums, talking to other women, talking to just wrestling with the meaning of life and the meaning of whatever we were going through and how do you feel and how do I feel and what does that mean and reflect back to me what you're seeing in me, not being afraid to let people see the vulnerability or the the parts of me that you know I feel ashamed of or the parts of me that I don't like being critiqued for but also want accountability want someone to I want to grow I don't want to stay stagnant so yes. yeah and then the learning thing you know like I think God spoke to me about this a thousand times in my life is just keep being a Keep being a learner. And that doesn't mean just academically. It means just spiritually, Amen. emotionally, you know, like the new buzzword now, emotional intelligence. It's like I crave that and I pursue that and I just keep going, what don't I know yet? Mm -hmm. and, and, again, conquering the fear because when you face all of that, it's going to make you, it will, it will, bring you to your knees and you've got to be humble and look at all of those things and feel the conviction and and make sure you use those opportunities for growth but it then also unleashes you and then you become dangerous yes <laughs> um, in a good way you know yeah. you become unstoppable I guess yeah um, which is still the journey I'm on because you know we can self-sabotage ourselves <laughs> Yeah, so tell that's an interesting word, self-sabotage, especially mm. when we're talking about women stepping into their calling and owning their gifts. How do you think women do that? What what are things that hold us back? I think it's a fear of failure but and the fear of success all at the same time. Mm. There's so many times I've stopped myself out of fear of failure, fear of putting myself out there, but then fear of what if it succeeds and I can't meet the expectation mm. 
so many times it's it's the other people that that have said I see this in you this is worth fighting for and and the encouragement and affirmation and and then realizing that there are people who do believe uh, in themselves so much that you can see that you can see the difference you can yeah. see that the decisions they make isn't sabotaging themselves yes and it really is a difference between that belief um, yeah. it's, it comes down to mindset doesn't it yeah like really believing that you can and that god yeah. can through your yes, yes. do amazing things But I I think what you said there is just surrounding yourself with really good people, people who are on the same page. Because I think that self-sabotage can also happen when we're around people who try to hold us back or their language is negative. They're the glass half empty kind of people who always see the potential problems or risks. And so sometimes if we're surrounded with a lot of people like that, we never actually take that step of faith. We never actually step out and give it a go, Mm. even if it fails. So I think a really important part of overcoming self-sabotage is to surround yourself with people who are glass half full people who can Mm. say, go for it. You know, it might flop, but I'll be right here cheering you on and be here with you when we need to pick up the pieces and then begin again. Yes. You picked up on this before is just that women, I think, carry around a deep-seated fear of, Mm. you mentioned not being enough. We've done other podcasts on this fear of failure as well. But I think just part of overcoming that fear, I'd love to just ask you how you stepped out, what things helped you to overcome that fear and step into, I guess, your gifts and the things that God wanted you to do. Look, I think, again, uh, Surrounding myself with a people who are on the same journey was definitely key to that. Yeah. Um, and even moments where, oh, I remember so clearly stories of, of when I really started to let people in and allow myself to be vulnerable and show those vulnerable parts of myself to a friend or to another, you know, woman, for example, mm. and them going, I already knew that about you. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, you're what? That doesn't... <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then I'm like, I'm never speaking to you again. No. Um... <laughs> I thought <laughs> I'd hidden it, it so well. Yeah. And it was like, I remember this moment. It was my 29th birthday. And I decided to invite six women to come on a trip with me. And um, one of the girls that I wasn't really, really close with at the time, she's actually now one of my closest friends, um, mm. she said, now, I know how you like to control things, but if you want me to drive, I'm happy to. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she picked it. And what did, you, what did you say? Were you offended? I nearly died. I just, I just was like, you, you what? Like, oh, my gosh, I'm a control freak. People hate me, right? <laughs> and so I went to another friend out of the six who I was actually really close with, and I said, so this person just said that I'm a, you know, she, I'm a control freak, basically. Yeah. What am I? And 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 it was so funny. She kind of goes, "Well, we in a good oh, way. We oh. like you like that. Like, <laughs> don't feel offended. Like, you are naturally a person who takes control. Like, yeah. So were you then crushed? I realized. Uh, no. Well, when when it was said by someone that I trusted and felt yes. more vulnerable with. Yeah. What it made me realise is I've been trying to hide things about myself yeah, 
And it was this lie that no one could see it. But the truth is, unfortunately, I'm, I might rock people's world when I say this. <laughs> people already know your weaknesses and failures and they love you anyway. Mm-hmm. It's it Maybe it's us that doesn't love us. Mm. Yeah, And that for me was a massive thing that when I, I realised if people can see these things about me and love me, then I can love me. Yes. And I'm the one that has to live with me 24-7. Yeah. So I've got to make peace with that. Yeah. And um, so that was, you? yes, I remember. I remember just finally embracing um, all of myself and, again, you know, as a mum leaning against the oven, <laughs> and, you know, you can see the reflection of yourself going, oh, my God, I'm the only person that has to live with me 24-7. I've got to make peace with myself. And it really was through through my faith in God, in not because of me but because of him, that if he made me, he wanted me with these strengths, with these yeah. Yeah. Um, gifts. And he thought it was a good idea. God doesn't make junk, right? So he want, if he only wanted one type of personality, he would have only made one type of personality, but he didn't. So to honour who he is and my love for him was really how I you know, overcame that part of things. That's it. And and like you said, like people, we need people like you because sometimes things wouldn't get done (laughs) if everyone was like (laughs) peaced out and or chilled, you know, like we need some movers and shakers in the world. So you're right. It's a tapestry of God's beautiful creation. And I think when we come to peace with who we are, and we see those yeah. things as gifts. And with any gift, it has the redeemed and it also has the unredeemed side. So if we're aware of how that gift could maybe negatively or come across to others, how it impacts others, and we hold that imbalance yeah. with, you know, the redeemed side of the gift, which is God needs that. He wants that yeah. at work and moving in this world so that things do happen, so that we do have yeah. an incredible youth conference for the whole of Australia <laughs> yeah. to come to. Like, hello, <laughs> Ignite <Amen>. Conference <laughs> in Queensland. It's awesome. So, you know, Amen. if everyone was just chilled out, Ignite would never have happened and Amen. the ministries that you run out of your community would never have happened. So praise God. Yeah. Yeah, but, but I do think you pick up on something really important, and I is just around women and how we as women pull ourselves down, and then when we see those things in other people, how we can pull other women down. And mm. I, I have this beautiful saying that says, "Her success is not your failure." Amen. Like, as women, Amen. we can learn to champion the gifts in other women without yes. being threatened by them. And I think we can only do that once we've done this work that you're talking about of healing, restoration, of receiving our gifts as a gift from God and then offering them back to him. Yes. And it was so good seeing other women do that around me and and having that wisdom of, you know, there wasn't a lot of people around when I was in my 20s that were active in the church. So they were they were scarce, but wow, when you when you found them and there was a handful of them, they were inspirational and they did share their wisdom. I think that's the beauty of of when women our leaders, they have such a capacity, this nurturing 
capacity, this capacity to bring people with them, this capacity to be vulnerable, to be authentic, to bring a humanness and a messiness as well mm, yeah. uh, to, to leadership, which I just love. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So share with me there, you've picked up on women in leadership in the church. So what, what are your thoughts on that? <laughs> it's sometimes a controversial <sighs> area, isn't it? But it is. we need women in leadership. What, what are your reflections there on women serving in leadership positions within well, the Catholic Church? I did this amazing study when I was studying my um, theological studies on um, the four female doctors of the church. And it was such a profound semester for me because there was just uh, such a richness. It wasn't, you know, I think sometimes we can go too far the other way in, in going anti-men or going down mm-hmm. the, you know, burn the bras and that's not that's not what that, this is about. You know, I think we need to lead fully as females without taking away what men offer as well and what we all offer as humans if Mm -hmm. you like but I think leading as a woman and not as a man (laughs) yes uh, is is really powerful I remember realizing as a young woman the the gifts that uh, these women were giving me but I didn't have the theological language to communicate what they were doing with, mm. with articulation. And so I feel like once I did that study, I was like, wow, this is actually legit. Like this connection between the spiritual mm-hmm. and the theological, the intuition that women offer. Sometimes women lead without a role, like without a title, if you like. Mm. Title versus role, you know, like everyone has a role, even if you don't officially have a title. Amen. I mean, some of the most powerful women leaders I know are just natural influential leaders that don't officially have a title, but are are powerful leaders. It's so important. I like what you said just then about, you know, women stepping into leadership without minimising the contribution and the value that men bring in their leadership Mm. as well, this complementarity of vocation. I remember many years ago I was invited to speak at the Young Men of God conference and... Jonathan had spoken at one of their first ones. The second one, I gave a workshop with him on relationships. And then the third conference, they asked if I'd give a keynote, which completely freaked me out because I'm like, (laughs) a couple of hundred men, I'm the only woman. What on earth have I got to say to these men? And it was um, was really profound. And and it was such an honour because over the last 12 or 13 years, I've had the privilege of speaking at that conference almost every Mm. year. But I remember this particular conference where I gave the keynote and it was the Saturday evening and I walked into the back of the auditorium. All the men were facing the front and you had to walk through down some stairs. But I just stood on this platform looking at the backs of these men with their arms out worshipping. And I really felt like the Lord speak to me and he said, these men, these men are only half of the picture. For the full picture to be realised, the women need to take their place alongside the men. And I, I just have held on to that word because for me that summed up our role. When we're talking about leadership, it's about men and women partnering alongside one another to serve yes. and to bring the fullness of our unique gifts. And I think we go wrong when we don't understand how to do the coming alongside. Tapping into, I guess, that feminine genius, the unique Amen. qualities that God has given us as women because there is a place for them and, a, and we have a role in all spheres of life. Yes. 
And I think that's the craziest thing that a woman offers when we think, oh, what is it that I have to offer is literally just being all that we can be. Yes. It's the scariest thing that we could do, but it has the greatest impact. Mm. It's the, the, the gift is you. The gift is being yourself. Absolutely. Um, Before you do anything. Yes. Before you even start just being authentically you, because, you know, as we were saying before, you're, you're unrepeatable. Mm -hmm. You're never going to be repeated again. Yeah. And that's the gift. Absolutely. And people need who and what you have. Amen. And every stage as, as we know, has a gift Mm. um, that we have to offer at that moment, you know, that I couldn't, that I couldn't do any other stage, but just to believe a lie that, well, there's nothing I have left to offer is not true. Every single age and stage has something to offer. Yeah. Um, And I remember that. I remember being 17 on net and I was the game master. I was the person who could get up on a chair and run the best, you know, Simon Says game out there. Now, at 44, if I tried to do that, I'd look like a crazy person. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And it wouldn't quite cut it. But that was a gift that I had. I had that energetic, bubbly um, influence. But now, you know, if I go on a teenage camp, um, and a little 12 or 13-year-old is, is really homesick. Yeah. Uh, the 17 and 18-year-old leader's voice just doesn't quite cut it like the no. 40-year-old mum no, who says, it. you're going to be okay, I got you. Yeah. And that's a gift I have of that moment. So it's finding mm-hmm. what is it, what's the gift now and maximising that. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Kim Keedy. We covered a range of topics, but perhaps one that keeps coming through in all of these podcasts is the sense that so many women are not living the fullness of who God created them to be, that they have dreams and desires, but for whatever reason, be it for fear or lack of resources or uncertainty, they are not stepping into their unique and unrepeatable calling. If this is you and if this resonates with you, then I'd like to invite you to head on over to the Genius Project website, www.geniusproject.co and take a look at the range of online courses that are launching this month. We are really excited about these online dynamic courses and the online community that we are building to support Catholic women discover their gifts and step into their calling. We look forward to meeting you there. The Genius Podcast guests over the next few weeks are seriously amazing. Some of them have had me completely undone and I know they're going to be a huge blessing to you. So until next week, have a blessed week and God bless you.